It's Friday, February 28th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. This week, the stock market has been feeling the pain of COVID-19. We'll look at what the current economic impact is and what a market correction has to do with it. Then, the number of pedestrians dying in car crashes is at a three-decade high. We'll explain why and give you some tips on how to stay safe when stepping out. And finally, a leap year tradition that we propose skipping over. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by H&R Block, your one-stop tax shop. Here's a term you may be hearing today, market correction. It's coming up because of COVID-19, the disease caused by coronavirus. Fears about the disease spreading are causing major economic concerns and leading to some phrases getting dusted off for the first time in years, like market correction. The word market refers to the stock market, and this correction isn't positive. It's used when the market drops between 10 and 20 percent. That's where we are now. There's just one story, and it's the fear out there in the markets. Global markets plunged today. We are now inside correction territory, all of it connected to the coronavirus. A sell-off like this does not happen very often. Uh, The stock market could be headed for its worst week since the 2008 financial crisis. Okay, lots of scary talk there. But what is the actual economic damage caused by COVID-19? When the stock market closed this afternoon, we were able to see the extent of it. In just five days, global markets lost over $5 trillion in value. Another way to measure how the economy is reacting to COVID-19 is to look at where people are putting their money now. Turns out, people are buying something with it. Gold. When the stock market is in trouble, gold is sometimes viewed as a financial safe haven, a safe place to invest your money when times are tough. And just recently, the price of the shiny stuff hit a seven-year high. Stocks can rise and fall in value overnight, but the value of something like gold or another safe haven like the U.S. dollar is a bit more, well, safe. So far, most of the economic impacts caused by COVID-19 are being felt in the stock market. But if the disease continues to spread, especially in the U.S., we could see other negative changes. For example, if the disease ends up causing stores to close, or people to cancel vacations and business trips, or if employers start asking workers to stay home, we might start seeing problems in the labor market. Those could impact everyone from hotel workers to waiters, Uber drivers to event planners. Really, anyone whose job depends on people traveling. Right now, it's too early to say how severe those possible disruptions would get. So far, companies are only just starting to talk about implementing work from home policies. But since most Americans have jobs right now, and only around half of American adults are invested in the stock market at all, any bad news for the labor market could be a bigger deal than whether or not Wall Street is trading up or down. So that's something to watch too. For more on how major headlines like the spread of COVID-19 could affect your wallet, head on over to theskim.com money. Too busy to do your taxes? We get it. So does H&R Block. That's why they let you drop them off. Just leave your tax documents, and a tax pro will prepare them. It's like daycare for your taxes. They're open early and late, and their tax experts are trained to get you every deduction and credit you deserve, so you can leave them to get it done worry-free. 
To learn more, go to hrblock.com slash skim. That's hrblock.com slash S-K-I-M-M. It's better with Block. Isn't it the best when you start your weekend off with a little peace and quiet? That's the question we asked on our show last Friday. The U.S. and the Taliban had just agreed to a trial-run peace deal. If all went well for a week, they would consider signing a more permanent agreement. Now, time's up. And the two sides are getting ready to actually sign that full-fledged peace deal tomorrow. Which is kind of a big deal. We'll explain why, but first, let's take a step back. The U.S. has been fighting against the Taliban in Afghanistan since right after 9-11. It's become the longest war the U.S. has ever fought. But the U.S. has been trying to find a way out for a while now. President Trump was vocal about wanting to leave Afghanistan before he became president. But when he took office, he said, the war must go on. Until about a year ago, when negotiations with the Taliban for a peace deal kicked up a notch. Those talks have been on again, off again since then. But at Trump's State of the Union address earlier this month, he was clear, this could actually happen. We are working to finally end America's longest war and bring our troops back home. But negotiating with the Taliban hasn't exactly been straightforward. A couple of weeks ago, Defense Secretary Mark Esper said the truce agreement with the Taliban could be risky, even if it looked very promising. I think there's general agreement, it's my view as well, that we have, we have to give peace a chance, that the, the best, if not only way forward in Afghanistan is through a political agreement. And that way forward might kick off sooner rather than later. Because all signs are a go that the more permanent peace deal is going to be signed tomorrow in the nation of Qatar. So what's in the deal? The U.S. has said, we're going to start pulling troops out of Afghanistan, the first step toward actually ending this war. In exchange, the Taliban has to cut ties with terrorists and keep Afghanistan from becoming a terrorist haven. And the Taliban has to start talking to the Afghan government so the two sides can find a way to coexist. But not everyone is on board. Nearly two dozen Republican lawmakers wrote a letter to Esper and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, saying, we've got serious concerns about this. They want to make sure the U.S. doesn't pull its troops out too quickly or get tricked into treating the Taliban as any sort of partner in fighting terrorism. They haven't gotten a response yet. Meanwhile, Afghans are reportedly pretty skeptical about the whole thing. Their country has been at war for two decades, so they worry that history might just be repeating itself. We'll find out whether that's the case after tomorrow. Even if the deal is in fact signed, there's still a lot more negotiating to do down the road to work out the fine print. When a war has gone on this long, saying goodbye can be hard to do. Watch out, everybody. The number of American pedestrians dying in car crashes has hit a 30-year high. We're not talking about drivers dying. We're talking about people who walk. According to a new study, last year, more than 6,500 pedestrians were killed across the U.S. Pedestrian deaths are actually up more than 50% in the last decade. So what's going on here? Well, a number of things. One is that trucks and SUVs are more popular than ever. While being hit by a normal-sized car is dangerous enough, people hit by large SUVs are twice as likely to die. Another problem has to do with distractions. Research shows our smartphones are increasingly putting us at risk, both as drivers and as pedestrians. 
people crossing intersections might be spending more time looking at their phones instead of scanning for cars. And for people behind the wheel, looking at your phone can mean you're not looking at the road. Avi Silverman is the deputy director of the FIA Foundation, which campaigns to make roads safer around the world. He says smartphone use and distractions are both on the rise, but that's only half the picture. In the mix as well is the fact that, generally speaking, there are increasing levels of people walking and cycling, which is a very good thing. But at the same time, the infrastructure, the roads themselves, in many, many cases, are not safe enough. So what can be done? Silverman says cities should lower speed limits since higher speed crashes mean a higher risk of death and injury for pedestrians. Cities can also improve lighting along busy roads or install dedicated bike lanes. For the rest of us, put your phone away and stay on the lookout. Don't assume that just because a sign is flashing walk that everyone can see you. And keep looking for cars as you cross. Also, if you need to walk along a road without a sidewalk, walk toward traffic. For more tips on staying safe, we've left a link in our show notes. This week, thousands of conservative activists are converging on the D.C. suburbs to hear speeches from rising stars on the political right and mix and mingle with fellow activists. Good morning to all my friends at CPAC. Welcome. CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. It's kind of like Coachella, only in a conference center. And the crowds are there for politicians and right-wing celebs, not rock stars. People went wild when President Trump took the stage last year. Our President Donald Trump. And I'm proud to be an American. Ever seen that photo of Trump hugging the American flag? This is when that happened. Cue more applause. The CPAC crowd wasn't always this receptive to Trump. Even Fox News commentators questioned if he was presidential material when he first spoke at the gathering almost a decade ago. President Trump? Possible? Uh, no. He's a brand. It's all about Donald Trump. God bless him. In America, everybody has a right to run. Oh, how the tables have turned. He'll speak at CPAC again tomorrow. And in a lot of ways, the whole conference has kind of remade itself in his image. The speaker list is full of his fiercest advocates, like Vice President Mike Pence and White House Counselor Kellyanne Conway. There are fresh voices on the lineup, too, like Candace Owens, the commentator behind something she calls the Blexit movement. That's African-Americans leaving the Democratic Party. And Naomi Zeibt, a German teenager nicknamed the anti-Greta Thunberg for her skepticism over climate change. CPAC plays a major role in shaping the conservative wing, but it took a few decades to get it there. We break down how CPAC became such a huge thing in the most recent episode of Skim Notes. You can find Skim Notes on the Skim app, but this week's episode is available for free at theskim.com slash CPAC, along with a deep dive guide on the evolution of the Republican Party. Before we go today, we want to talk Leap Day. And maybe this episode of NBC's 30 Rock put it best. Every four years, you get a magical extra day. A day to do the things you ordinarily wouldn't do to take chances. Sure, something like that. But fun fact, you could hear about a lot of proposals tomorrow. Yes, marriage proposals. Turns out there's a centuries-old Irish tradition that on Leap Day, women can propose to their partners. Seriously, there's even an Amy Adams movie about it. 
It is leap year, you know, in Ireland. A woman can propose to a man on the 29th of February. Dad, I'm not going to Dublin. Yep, that's a thing. And reportedly, there's an Irish pub in New Jersey offering free food for a year for any woman who proposes. Excellent if you're a Bangers and Mash fan. But it's also 2020, so Irish or not, tradition or not, or leap day or not. Ladies, if getting down on one knee is your thing, then do it on whatever damn day you please. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks so much for listening this week, and don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us online. A lot of news happens over the weekend, so to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can sign up at theskim.com. 